This week on the Men at the Movies podcast, we're excited to have a woman join us to talk about one of her favorite movies, the original Terminator. We discuss the differences between Sarah Connors in this movie contrasted with her character in Terminator 2. And we break down how she is transformed from a naive waitress into a confident warrior. Storm's coming, so come with us if you want to live, and let's discover God's truth in this movie. The movies and stories we love are gateways to see ourselves and God in new ways. Every great story borrows its power from a larger story, the story that's written on our hearts and woven into the fabric of our very being. Welcome to the Men at the Movies podcast. My name is Paul McDonald, and joining me, we're breaking the glass ceiling, Sarah, is Sarah Daniels yes. from New Hampshire, joining me from way up north. <laughs> we don't all talk like that, Paul. I've got family up there. My, we used to kid my mom all the time about how she'd talk like this after she got off the phone. Except my, the bad part is my my New Hampshire and Boston and New York accents all get mixed up after about five seconds, and it's just ugly. <laughs> so welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Very excited to be here. This is uh, such a great opportunity to be the first lady on Men in the Movies podcast. That's I right. Very, very privileged. That's right. I'm going to have to come up with some new logo or something for men and women at the movies or something. I don't know. <laughs> so we're gonna, we're talking about Terminator, obviously, because that's that's the music we just played. It when I watched the movie, I'm like, oh man, this music's great for a movie made in the '80s. But before I go there, I want to I want to talk a little bit about how you and I got connected and how. You know, if guys hear, hey, we're having a a woman, female co-host on the, the Men at the Movies podcast, like, yeah, they'd probably think it'd be the holiday or Titanic or <laughs> some rom-com, right? And I think this is a very important thing because we frequently talk about the feminine heart, the masculine heart. And I think there's a lot more overlap than we like to sometimes think. It's not all princesses and pink and ponies, right? absolutely true i mean you've got your 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 terminator t-shirt on today yes i do and uh so we got connected uh through both brit and alan i'm I'm gonna start calling alan the pod father the pod father father. because instead of he he's kind of more elevated than friend of the pod so he's just gonna be the pod father from now on um so through Realm Makers, and what is people aren't going to know what Realm Makers is. So tell us a little bit about what Realm Makers is and why you love Realm Makers. Oh, Realm Makers is awesome. Uh, Realm Makers is a uh, convention that's held annually for Christian authors of fantasy and science fiction. Basically, you go there, they have keynote speakers, they have, you know, different authors and agents and editors and publishers that come and you know, teach classes. Uh, Alan Arnold was there last year teaching classes out of his yep. book, Story of With, Chaos Can't. 
Uh, so that was great. I got to meet him. Super excellent time. He actually, uh, yeah, got me hooked up with you that way. Cause I had met Brit, uh, very briefly at the end of last year's realm makers and Brit's, you know, friends with another friend of mine, Stephen Folletti, who does the brew and ink podcast. And, um, I had actually emailed Alan, uh, a, he is, he sends out a daily newsletter and yeah. I had emailed him in response to one of his emails and i was like oh that reminds me of like one of my favorite movies the terminator it's like sarah connor and she does this and it's just like you were saying and he's like oh yeah so we were kind of talking about movies a little bit and i'm actually working on a, a movie devotional on the side because i'm a movie idiot and uh i had we sent don't him a call chapter. them movie idiots around here well we call them movie aficionados fandom. <laughs> well considering well hang on Talk about talk about level of fandom again. You've got your Terminator T-shirt on, but you've you've also got on your desk not one but two copies of the Terminator books. Yep, which apparently are different. There's there's two books by two mm -hmm. different authors. Yep. One is really relatively mostly faithful to the screenplay, and the other is not. Well, it, it tangents a bit, but. Um, yeah, I don't know why there are two. I just knew that there were two. And since I was a huge Terminator fan, I had to have them both. So I have a pretty hefty uh, collection of movie novelizations uh, for uh, mostly from the 80s. But, you know, because that's when I grew up. So, well, everybody needs their niche, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So you were working on this book, uh, your, your book on movie devotionals. With Alan. Yes, so I had emailed uh, a copy of my Terminator chapter that I wrote to Alan and said, hey, you know, this is what I was talking about. You know, if you feel like taking a look when you get a chance, I'd love to hear your thoughts. And he's like, this is really great. He's like, this reminds me of my friend Paul, who does this podcast, <laughs> Men at the Movies. He goes, you should take a listen. And I was like, oh, OK, I definitely will. He's like, yeah, I've done some episodes and I'm going to be on again doing Ratatouille. I'm like, all right, I'll take a look. And so I listened to some of your episodes. I was like, oh, this is fun. And I saw you guys had a Patreon and I thought, oh, I'll throw them a couple of dollars. And, and before I know it, Paul's reached out to me and going, you like movies? I like movies. Let's All right. talk more. You, you mentioned my Patreon. So we got to pull out the Patreon. We got to plug the <laughs> Patreon. If you guys like what we're doing, you want to support us. I'm not going to guarantee that every patron gets to come on the podcast. <laughs> um, but I just, I, I had emailed Sarah to say, hey, thanks for supporting us because you know, the editing and the movies and the website and all the other stuff costs money. So we appreciate the support and we've got some big changes coming up that I'm working on how to roll those out that we're excited about, but go to our Patreon. It's uh, I think it's patreon.com backslash men at the movies. So, yeah, so we just, we started emailing and one thing led to another and you said, Hey, these are my three favorite movies. I was like, one that is that those were unexpected. Because your three favorite movies are? Uh, first one would be Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, number two would be Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back. And number three would be The Terminator. So you see, I did the, the, I did the math. I was like, ah, we've done two of them already. But we can still get that third one. Still get The Terminator. Why The Terminator and not T2? Because uh, a lot of people say T2 is the better movie. I have had many, many people argue with me. And <laughs> it very 
annoyed with me that I will not admit that T2 is the better movie. And I tell them that I am entitled to my own opinion as they are theirs. Um, I think T2 is a great movie. And I, I, truthfully, out of all of the sequels, I think it's the best of the sequels. I think it's very well made. The special effects are unreal. Now, you know, that and, isn't that high of a bar. <laughs> Well, I mean, some of those 19, sequels are like terrible. Ninety or whenever it was that it came out, it was. Those were pretty good special effects for that point. It was, yeah. But um, I, and I, I you know, I, I think that you know, like the story is good, you know, and, and things that they did. I thought it was great, but I love the original Terminator because you know I love you know Linda Hamilton as Sarah Connor and her character in that, and I love the love story between her and Kyle Reese. And, you know, I love Arnold Schwarzenegger's performance where the guy's got like, what, seven lines or something in the entire movie. And he just. Right. And, and, and some so of them much. aren't even his lines. His, yeah. It's his <laughs> voice. Like, some of it, yeah. And he just does so much with like body language and facial expression. It's just amazing. I love the story. I mean, it's such a brain bender of a story, especially by the end. You know, it's, it's just. You know, like, oh, wow, if he hadn't done this and this wouldn't happen. There's just so much going on there. I think it's great. I mean, I've loved it, like, really my entire life. And then once, one time I was watching it, I want to say maybe it was like, maybe like 10 years ago or something like that. And I just happened to be watching it one night. And all of a sudden, I really felt like God was telling me, hey, pay attention, you know, pay attention to this part. And I started, I like, just watching it in a way that I'd never seen it before. And God just was kind of downloading stuff you know, into me that I'd never noticed before. And I was taking notes and I was just like, wow, I never even picked up on this stuff before. So it really, really spoke to me. And, you know, also any movie that has a character named Sarah in it, I'm going to pay more attention to. (laughs) I gotcha. There's not a lot of, there's more nowadays than there were, say when I was 20 years old and the only Pauls that were in TV shows or movies were giant dorks. (laughs) <laughs> it's like, there's no cool Pauls out there. This is, you know, Paul Rudd wasn't around yet. There was just Paul from the wonder years. Oh yeah. No. But anyway, so I like the first Terminator because I feel like Sarah Connor's character changes so much uh, by the time she gets to Terminator two. And I know that this is part of the reason why people like Terminator two, because they're like, Sarah becomes so cold and unfeeling. It's like she's a Terminator herself, whereas the actual Terminator becomes more like a human because he can, you know, like almost express feelings and care and, you know, and stuff. And it's like they switch places and it's a big story, you know, twist. And Hang on, hang on, I'm hang like, on, hang on, because that is a really fascinating little piece of information. Like did this, I spoil? This, Sorry. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, I want to, I want to dive into that a little bit because what you just said, like, People like that version of Sarah. They like the cold, hard warrior level, like you said, like the reverse, the, the like the like the Terminator. I don't know. It just it made me think because I have a big problem with with some some Disney movies. A big problem <laughs> with Frozen that my kids all or the 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 my kids all of my grandkids love it. But that song, Let It Go, mm-hmm. they were all belting it out. She's talking about letting it go, about how she's free to be herself in this ice 
castle prison of her own making. And it's just interesting that like, there's a lot of similarities between that character, like people loving that character and people loving that Sarah Connor character who, as you we're going to contrast her to the original one, which you actually like, but I think like she, why would, why would that be an appealing character that the Sarah Connor in T2? Well, I think because I mean, to, to put it bluntly, she's badass. Yeah. You know I mean? She's, she's like strong and, you know, like a warrior and she knows how to fight and, you know, how to plan and, you know, basically everything that Kyle was describing about her in the first one that she hasn't, you know, become yet. But, you know, she's she she comes off as unafraid of anything. Um, you know, she's willing to put herself on the line to, you know, protect her son, to, you know, save humanity. So I feel like that is a lot of why, you know, people like her character in T2. At least that's what I've been told. <laughs> right because you don't i don't I'm sorry and it's like yeah, as you were talking i got all excited because i i remembered because she does flip and i think that many people i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say many men many women i think many people uh want to be like that because they look at her and they're like oh she does she as as in I'm trying to think if it's in a clip as one of the clips will play he talks, uh, Kyle talks about his pain and pushing it away. Mm. And you see, that's what Sarah does in T2. And we're not talking about yeah. T2. We're going to talk about T Terminator. But to get, I think it's good because we're, we are talking about the transformational arc of Sarah Connor. And you see who she becomes in Terminator 2. But you, you contrast that with, with the young woman she is in the hotel room where Kyle's describing how lonely his life is, how hard his life is, how painful it all yeah. is. And she's crying and she feels she's like, she sees so much pain. But by the yeah. time she gets to that side of things in Terminator two, she doesn't see the pain anymore. She's lost her ability to be, to sympathize because yeah. I think a lot of us think that is weakness to, to yeah. cry with someone or be uncomfortable or all that. And I get it. She's been through trauma. She's been criticized and judged because she's talking what appears to be crazy stuff. Cause sometimes even though it's true, it sounds crazy. The truth even sounds crazy. But I think that that's that people, if you compare that, that image of that young woman versus the sort of cold hearted stone cold killer, in Terminator two, I think yeah, they're like, yeah, I want to be, I don't want things to bother me as much because we think that caring and sympathy equal weakness. Yeah, no, I agree with that for sure. So, but it just, it, the whole thing makes, it makes me sad to see that she gets to that point because I think, I don't know, maybe we we're going to talk about it later, <laughs> but, um, that's as, up to as we us. Get to that we get point, to decide what I, we talk about. <laughs> I was going to say, as we get to that point in the movie, I'm not sure if we're staying linear or whatever, but it makes me sad because, I mean, one of the things I love about Sarah Connor in the original Terminator is that she, towards like the end of the movie, she starts coming more into this like warrior part of herself, 
but it's a different part because she's starting to fight for what she loves, you know? And it's like, like the mama bear is coming out in her because, you know, she, she's in love with Kyle and she wants to defend him and she wants to fight what's coming against them so that they can stay together and be together. And, you know, so that's why she starts, you know, like kind of coming more out of her shell, you know, and, and, you know, and fighting because that's what I think really drives us as people is we fight for what we love, you know, love drives us, love, you know, keeps us going, you know, and, and I mean, who's like, who's going to fight harder, like a soldier that's being paid to fight for something that he doesn't really care about or somebody who's not being paid a penny to fight for something that is hugely important to them. Yeah. Yeah. And this idea of compassion um, that we see in the first Sarah that we see in, in Sarah and term in the Terminator back. That's all. (laughs) That's the name of it. The Terminator. (laughs) Um, Versus in T2, you don't have that compassion. And I think in a lot of ways, even her son suffers for it because she's so determined to both uh, live a life sort of protecting John, but she's uh, living very much a John the Baptist sort of lifestyle, a life on the fringes. She's telling anybody who will listen that the nuclear apocalypse is coming. But you think about the cost that John pays because of that. Like he grows up in foster care and he grows up a yeah. lot of the time without his mom. It just, it makes you wonder she's lost that ability to see the pain John has by the time she gets to that point. She, what, what is she like teaching her son by example in being that way? Like, what is she showing him? Because if she's just showing him that you can't afford to have compassion for people, you can't afford to have sympathy for people. You just have to be strong all the time you know, and, and just do your job and stuff, then, well, then what the heck is John even doing? Like trying to be the savior of mankind. If he can't care about anybody, how can he be exactly? How can he be the leader? If he doesn't care, you know? Yeah. If they are, if he is, if he's being shown how to be a machine, what, what makes him any different? Yeah. That's like, why would he want to even save mankind? (laughs) Seriously. All right, so we're going to dive into into The Terminator. We'll get back into the movie. We'll figure out how we're going to do this. Uh, much of this movie is non-dialogue, so we don't have a lot of clips today, but I have the feeling that between Sarah and I that we'll have plenty of words for you to listen to. <laughs> so we're, we're going to take this theme of this arc. You know, we've talked about before, Matthew Dick says that the all great stories are a story of transformation or revelation. So, but in this movie, what you see is, is Sarah's character is the one that transforms. She transforms from a, from a naive waitress. And we see in, in Terminator two, her as a legendary warrior, but we see her at towards the end, becoming that, that competent warrior, the one who chooses the warrior path, the transformation from Really, from naivety to competent sounds. Uh, I want to. I want competent and confident. Because by the end of the movie, she does walk with confidence. Oh yeah, much. I mean, don't we? Don't we all? <laughs> when I'm engaging <laughs> with my with my wife or with my kids or or with 
the storms that are coming? Don't I want to face that with confidence? And so I think that's why we're talking about this movie. How do we, how do we get to that point? And so when we look at the things that took her to that point, we're going to get to play a clip. So they're in the car, they're hiding in the parking lot. So Kyle is talking about the Terminator because Sarah's there. She's trying to get out of the car. She's scared to death. She doesn't, as you mentioned, she's a weepy mess and she bites his hand. He's like, stop. I feel pain. Cyborgs don't. She thinks he's some lunatic psychopath, serial killer. And so he's trying to tell her the danger she's in. Cause she's like, let me out of the car. And he's like, you don't understand what's going on. Just let me go. Listen and understand that Terminator is out there. It can't be bargained with. It can't be reasoned with. It doesn't feel pity or remorse or fear. And it absolutely will not stop ever until you are dead. So, Sarah, you wrote about this in, in your chapter that you shared with me. Um, so how does that scene and that truth, and we talk about this a, a lot on this podcast, that evil hunts you relentlessly. But how does that theme sort of, how does this scene sort of expose that theme in our lives? I, I think a lot of us go through our lives not realizing that there's a whole spiritual reality that's more real than the reality, quote unquote, that we deal with every day. And, you know, as Christians, especially, you know, we're, we're walking with Jesus, you know, like, you know, working his will, you know, in the world or, you know, attempting to, and obviously the enemy is going to come against that, you know, and, and they're going to try to, to take us out, to stop us, to stymie us in any way that they can. And I mean, the enemy is like that, you know, he, he can't be bargained with, he can't be reasoned with, he doesn't feel pity or remorse or fear except of Jesus, you know, and he will not stop ever, you know, as long as we're alive, you know, and granted that's not, I don't say that to like strike fear into people because I mean, we have Jesus and we have his strength and we have, you know, his love and his protection and stuff, but it should also make you aware that we're not just like, we're, we're at war, you know, we were born into a world at war and we struggle with things and there are things that are going to come against us and bad things that are going to happen to, to good people, quote unquote. And, you know, I, I think that it's just more of a, something to be, aware of and wary of and to also to an extent you know have respect for the fact that we do have this enemy and and he's not just like you know like you know a caricature with little you know horns and a pitchfork this is a real serious enemy who has zero pity for us and is going to try to just come against us in any way that he can because he hates us and he hates Jesus. And so he's going to try to hurt Jesus by hurting us because he loves us. And I mean, it's, it's a mess, but it's, it's reality. It's life. And as a Christian, I just think that that's something that 
not a lot of people, well, as Christians we are, but I think even as Christians, there are a lot of Christians who aren't aware of that. And, you know, I think that, um, that more people do need to be aware of that because, you know, it helps you get a better perspective on life as a Christian, you know, that it's not just going to church on Sundays and singing songs to Jesus. I mean, it's, it's out there getting dirty in the trenches, you know, taking hits and fighting. We've hammered this. We've talked about, um, we're coming off the episode where we talk about active valor and that idea of living in war and living in a battle. But the challenge that we face is I think like they faced in this movie, the Terminator looks like a person. Mm -hmm. And so they had dogs, dogs didn't like them. They were trained or whatever. They barked every time a Terminator shows up. We don't have that. People aren't the enemy. And when you look at it that way, whether whichever side you're on, the fact that you're on a side is divisive. And if you're on a side that's choosing divisiveness, that's probably the wrong side. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, is a lot of things that we think is the enemy isn't the enemy. Yeah. It's could be our own dysfunction. It could be just a disagreement. My wife is a pescatarian. I like steak. If I disagree with the person in the world, the, the person I love the most in this entire world, I, we have disagreements. What makes me think that I'm going to agree wholeheartedly, 100% across the board with a group of people? Crazy. Yeah. But the enemy, this is where the enemy comes in. The enemy comes to divide. He comes to steal, yes. kill, and destroy. And so what I want to talk about is what does it look like how do we know how do we know the good guy versus the bad guy? The good guy would you know be from God in a nutshell. you know I would say prayer, you know first of all, you know prayer for discernment. Mm. you know if you're heading into a situation and you're not quite sure you know who you can trust or what the situation is going to be like, you know prayer is always pretty key, I think in those situations and um you know, I mean, the enemy's a deceiver for sure. So he can, you know, like it says in the Bible, Satan was an angel of light, you know, and stuff. So he can look pretty good. He can talk a fast game, you know, and stuff. So again, prayer is going to be key there for, you know, your own discernment. Mm -hmm. You know, God, show me the truth. Show me who to trust. You know, it, it, it takes time sometimes too, you know, depending on the situation. But, you know, people can prove themselves to you. You can prove yourself to them. Um, you know, so those, those are the first two things that popped to my mind. Yeah. I really like that one, the time, because mm -hmm. for me, I've noticed when I've felt rushed, when I felt pressured, like to do something, mm -hmm. um, that has tended to not be God moving <laughs> that tended yeah. to be me. Yeah. Um, I go back to the, that idea of compassion the compassion that we see in Sarah in this movie versus Terminator two mm -hmm. that we don't have, we, I say that we don't, we, I don't see that even in a lot of believers that I hang out with. And 
I mean, when you've got little things like whether or not to wear a mask, whether or not to get vaccinated, are splitting and tearing apart churches and families. Yeah. The mask isn't the enemy. The vaccine isn't the enemy. The enemy is the one working and using those things, the dark spirit behind it. That causes the divisiveness that infl- it's like gasoline to a flame. Yeah. And if you feel like um, I used to work as a nurse, I don't I haven't worked as an, a nurse in about a year now, but <laughs> <laughs> there was this there was this I, this telltale symptom of compression syndrome where you've got fluid that's building up to the point in like, especially in your lower leg where the, the swelling would grow, get to a point where your circulation wouldn't, you wouldn't, your blood flow wouldn't go anymore. But one of the, the telltale signs of that is like pain beyond what it should be pain out of proportion to the injury. And I think that that's, that's a dog barking for me is when my response is out of proportion to what's actually happening. Like my wife turns on the news and I get all upset. Like there we are. She's getting ready to go to Uganda Sunday morning and she turns on like uh Willie Geist. And we're watching and I'm just rah, rah, rah. she's like, what are you? We're having a nice relaxing morning. Why are you raging against the news? It's not like you're doing anything. It's not like it's like I know, but these <laughs> logical inconsistencies bother me. Um I think for me, um, pressure for me as well, but a little bit different from what you were saying. Um, I know I've struggled a lot with, uh, pressure, feeling pressure to perform, um, you know, being afraid that I'm going to let people down or disappoint them. So when I start to feel that way, I know that that's, that's not of God, you know, and stuff, because I mean, yes, you want to do things well, you know, to the best of your ability, but when it starts becoming overwhelming and you're I've started in the, in the past, I've felt, you know, like worthless or, you know, if I feel like I've let someone down or disappointed them, there have been times when I've been crushed, you know, like for days, yeah. you know, and, and felt like this person doesn't like me anymore because I didn't do this exactly the way they wanted it done or something like that. Um, so, you know, I know that that's, you know, obviously not of God. Let's see. Also, um, we were talking, we were talking also like what, is not the enemy, you know, yeah. like, cause Sarah doesn't see Kyle as an ally at first, yeah. you know, she sees him as a sketch guy, you know, hiding <laughs> in the shadows with a shotgun and stuff. But, um, you know, so we, we talk about what is not the enemy. And I know that things that, <laughs> that I've struggled with first that I know are good, but they don't seem good is like when I receive correction from somebody. You know, and, and I, I don't like that at all. It's sometimes I've really taken offense yeah. to that, but if it's given in love, yeah. you know, by someone who is legit, you know, trying to, to, to mentor me or, you know, help me through a situation, you know, with their own wisdom from, you know, stuff that they've had experience with, you know, that's, that is God, you know, and stuff, even though it might not feel like it to me. Um, being vulnerable, you know, with somebody or letting them be vulnerable with you, you know, isn't always, you know, like a bad thing yeah. and stuff. So I know that, that sometimes that can, you know, it can be an awkward situation as well, but you know, it doesn't always have to be bad. Yeah. 
the verse that came to mind as you were talking was the, the idea that you'll know it, you'll know them by their fruits. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So if the fruit of, for me, if the fruit of watching the news is not peace and joy, it's probably, probably don't need to watch the news, right? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, probably not. But this idea of where there's also the fruit, there's also in my mind, the root, the motivation. Am I motivated out of pride or humility? Yes. Motivation. That's key. Am I motivated out of compassion and love or out of like this desire to be right or to be seen mm-hmm. a certain way? Like you said that, that, that it's, I mean, we, you, we both talked about uh, Alan helping us and coaching us. And there's that sense that here I am going to somebody who's much more experienced giving him stuff that I've worked on and wanting his feedback so I can get better, but being deathly afraid of hearing (laughs) that wasn't very good. (laughs) Right. And, and Alan, Alan said something. It was actually at a realm makers, uh, the virtual conference. He said that our, our, our lives are governed by love or fear. Our decisions are based yep. on love or fear. And how much of our, I mean. Which again is the Sarah Connor thing. In the first one, she's governed by love. And in T2, she's governed by fear. Yeah. Yeah, come on. Well, <laughs> and we see that as we go back to the movie. What? We're talking about a movie here. <laughs> it just doesn't seem like it. Because she is running she's scared and as well she should be this is a this is a titanium alloy robot that's chasing her with fake skin on the outside and by the end it looks like he's uh he's got no eyebrows he's got flies sticking on him it smells like a dead cat <laughs> yeah. looks, arnold looks horrible yeah he's had a rough go of it and she gets the decision just like we get the decision of what are we going to do what are we going to base our reactions out of How are we going to live our lives? Are we going to live our lives out of love or out of fear? Because both can transform us. Mm -hmm. Fear can transform us into the uh, paranoid, (laughs) you know, hiding, hard-edged woman that we see in T2. But there is another way. And we see that in Kyle. You know, in this movie, Arnold represents fear and, and Kyle obviously represents love. Yeah. And so we're going to go now. And I mean, throughout the movie, he's, he's a picture of Jesus. Even going back to the, your, your favorite scene there, the follow me if you want to live or come with me if you want to live. Come with me if you want to. That is such a great line. And it drives me nuts how they've just turned it into this like super lame catchphrase that's in just like randomly all of the sequels now. It's, so good and it's and, it's, so and it's an arnold voice that you hear it in most of the time not not michael not Beans. me man i will always hear it in kyle reese's voice and it's just <laughs> always no and it's just like i write about it in my chapter i'm like i don't i mean everybody who has come to christ you know has had god say this to them in some way you know and, and granted some people's coming to god is more intense than others But, you know, whether you have or you haven't had that point, at some point in your Christian life, there is going to be a time 
where Jesus is like holding off the bad guys with one hand and he's reaching the other one out to you and saying, come with me if you want to live and you have to decide, you know, and stuff it, like you stay here, you die, you come with me, you live, you know, and, and maybe it's now, maybe it's later and stuff, but that's going to happen, you know, and, and it's just, that's why I just, I love that scene. It's so intense. It's so powerful. And, and I have had that, that time in my life where I had to make that decision, you know, and, and it's funny, it, it's life and death, you know, maybe not necessarily where you're like hanging off the side of a building or something like that, but, you know, in the spiritual and the supernatural, it's life and death, you know, and, you know, you have to choose to go with what's scary or what's really scary because you know like <laughs> because you know like you, you can stay in the scary that you know that's scary or you could go over here to the scary that you don't know which is really scary but which is ultimately going to lead to life you know so you can stay here where you're dead or you can go on there to life but you know what Jesus is offering is ultimately you know is ultimately life even if we don't know what that all entails but um, yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty much my favorite scene in the whole movie is, is that part where he's like, come with me if you want to. So good. And I won't do it in the Arnold voice for you. <laughs> and, and so through the, through the movie arc, we see that he engages one, he, and we see what love does, right? He tells her the truth. He doesn't yeah. lie to her. He tells her what's going on. He tells her, he doesn't sugarcoat it because the stuff that he says is pretty pretty dark, pretty dystopian, the world that he comes from, the truth that he knows about the enemy. And they go through the survival. They go, you know, they're in the, they do the, they had the big conversation where, uh, and we're not going to touch on this today. If you want more, you'll have to read Sarah's book when it comes out. <laughs> um, where there, she's, Basically, she says, I didn't ask for this. I don't want this. Mm -hmm. And yet that's her, that's her destiny. That's her calling. But what I want to go to is this, um, the scene towards the end, right before they, they make John Connor. (laughs) (laughs) And they're in the hotel. They just, and it's interesting as, as, as Kyle is helping her to become the legend, you know, she does the field dressing. He shows her how to make pipe bombs. They, they, she's learning on the, you know, it'd be nice to take a class to learn about the enemy and how to be a Christian and all this. But the only way to really do it is to with live bullets under real fire, like life and death at stake, whether it's, it's actual life and death or life or death of dreams and hopes and, and plans but the whole thing comes up of why are you here, Kyle? What made you do this? You know, he even said it earlier, coming through time is like, it's like being born. And she struggles because she's like some legend, some warrior, some, you know, she's like, you expect me, the, the, the line, she's like, you're talking about things I haven't done yet in the past tense. It's freaking me out. <laughs> Which um, is another thing that I thought of while we were talking too, when, you know, we're talking about the enemy, you know, and um, 
he sees us like, well, I should say he knows us for what we can do, you know, in the spirit. He knows how we can use the power of Christ in our lives. He sees us as the warriors that we don't often see ourselves as, you know, like, and so, you know, he's trying to obviously hold us back from that, you know, and hold us back from utilizing the power of Christ and just seeing ourselves as weak and, you know, incapable and stuff. And, um, you know, and then we've got, you know, Jesus, like Kyle being like, no, this is who you are. This is what you're going to do, you know, and I'm calling you forth into it. The easiest way to to defeat a warrior is for the warrior just to sit by the fire with their feet up. Yep. Right. To never engage. To never. To never uh, start to fight. And and really, the shift that that we see in Sarah comes after this conversation in the hotel room, where yep she's asked about his world. She's asked about him, and she's she's like, why. Why did you come back? He'll find us, won't he? Probably. He'll never be over, will it? Look at me, I'm shaking. Some legend, huh? You must be pretty disappointed. No. I'm not. Kyle, the women in your time, what are they like? Good fighters. It's not what I meant. Was there someone special? Someone? A girl, you know. No. disconnected so you feel nothing John Connor gave me a picture of you once I didn't know why at the time it's very old torn faded you were young like you are now seemed just a little sad. I used to always wonder what you were thinking at that moment. I memorized every line, every curve. I came across time for you, Sarah. I love you. I always have. That's so good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, I I'm single right now, but man, I hope God gives me a man someday who just says that line to me, just likes to quote it. Came <laughs> across time for you, Sarah. I love you. Oh wow, that's so romantic. And so, but um, yeah, I love that, and I love, I love how 
affirming he is to her when he's saying that. Like, you know, when she's sitting there and she's like, I know I'm a hot mess. You must be so disappointed. And he's just like, no, no, I'm not. And I would, as a woman, that is something that really, I think, speaks to the hearts of women because, you know, Stacey Eldridge talks about in her book a lot, uh, Captivating, of how women are constantly afraid that they're either too much or not enough, you know, and stuff. And, and that they're constantly, you know, like, like I was said before, you know, letting people down, disappointing them because they're not doing enough or they're, you know, doing too much, you know. And so to have him be like, no, no, I'm not disappointed after, even though she's completely different from everything that he's been told about this legend, you know, that this right. warrior, you know, and, and she's not any of those things. And he's still not disappointed in her. That is so beautiful. That's so beautiful. And it's so, so encouraging and supportive and, and just affirming. I, I love that so much. It's so great. I have a friend who's, uh, he's always had this dream to be a missionary to Ireland or to do nice. something in Ireland. And for, for years, I think he, he, part of his motivation was fear because he was terrified that he would die and he would go and stand before the father. And, you know, we, we all want to hear the well done, mm -hmm. my good and faithful servant, well done, my son or my daughter. We want to hear the, the affirmation, right? But he's yeah. like, I'm so scared. I'm going to die. And what's going to happen is I'll get up there and it's like, I gave you so much. You had so many opportunities to do stuff and you just <laughs> sort of squandered it. And, uh, and it's just interesting because what, when you were talking about, because we fear that I'm not, you know, we, uh, my wife and I went and saw Hamilton this last, oh, yeah. last week. And, you know, the idea of running out of time, wasting our shot of not doing enough. Yeah. And there's that's or really it's not being enough is what we see. She's like some legend, huh? She's sitting here shaking. She's scared. And like that idea, like what if God isn't disappointed in you? Hmm. Like if you have kids, I have a two-year-old grandson who I took to the Bass Pro Shops last week to look at the fish, but really what he wanted to do was to get his own fishing pole. So I got him this one that's got foam fish on it and stuff. And so he'll cast or try to cast and, but he's two, right? He's not, am I going to be disappointed because he's not catching 200 pounds sailfish or something? <laughs> no, we just sit on the floor and we get all wrapped up in the, the fishing line. And, and what if, you had mentioned Alan in the story of with what if God isn't really concerned about the result or yes. the outcome, but yep. about doing it with us. You talked about creating with God and how mm -hmm. transformative that book was for you. But even the idea of just using that as creativity is limiting. Like fathering or mothering or being a daughter or being a son to, you know, actual physical parents, being a friend, being a leader in the church. Be, if you invite God, do it with me, God. Yeah. 
then one that helps with the motivation, right? Because you're motivated not out of a, a pressure or desire to perform or a fear of disappointing, which I think for, for um, people who sort of pursue a lot of creativity stuff like us, Sarah, that's really a big one. <laughs> that yeah. fear of disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love my stuff, please. Um, <laughs> but what if it's, what if we get that affirmation as we're, as I'm reading through the Bible, I'm doing this with a couple, with a group of people reading through the Bible in the year. And it's, it's, it, it, we're still in the old Testament, but it's Israel who kept turning and is, it was Israel who kept walking away, but God continued to pursue. And he's like, all you got to do is look to me. I'm not disappointed. I just want you. With yeah. me. <laughs> but it wasn't, he so knew good. that we couldn't do it by ourselves. So Jesus had to come. Jesus had to come through time, right? To become our, yeah. our groom. They talk about Jesus because he loved us. And that's what's, what's awesome is in that movie, that, that idea that he came through time because he loved us, because he knew yeah. us, because before we were born, he had us in mind and stuff for us to do. Like and the same thing. This like a whole time warp stuff is like God already planned stuff for us to do. He knows who we are going to become. <laughs> like you're talking in the past tense about stuff. I haven't even done yet. Yeah. <laughs> God's just like, yeah. And <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah, it's so, so crazy. I mean, yeah, I, I, it really bends your brain to, to think that, you know, first of all, God can see who be, who we are beyond where we're at right now and beyond, you know, like things that have held us back. You know, he is always going to see us as overcomers, you know, and, um, even if we never get to that point, you know, it's just, it just, I can't even describe it. It just blows my mind, like how outside of everything he is, you know, outside of the, the physical reality, outside of time, you know, outside of space, you know, I mean, he, his perspective just overshadows our own, like, like infinity, you know, it, it's, <laughs> right. I can't, yeah, I know. I'm not even like using the words that I want to right now, but it's just, it really blows your mind, you know, when you think about that. And as we, as we wrap up, you get to the, so, so her arc, she's a, mm -hmm. she's a waitress. She's been through this. She, she actually defeated the, the Terminator. And it was, it's, it's such a well done movie. It feels, and we talked a little bit before that, before we started recording that it felt like Halloween, like with mm -hmm. the way the music was done. And even like, I'm sitting there watching the last scene where the Terminator's crawling through that thing. And I'm just like, come on, why did, why did you go that way to escape? And, <laughs> and as the hand is reaching through the grate, trying to grab Sarah, I feel my body pressed up against the back of the couch. <laughs> I'm like, no, don't get me. <laughs> so she's proved, she proves herself 
And now she's, she's pregnant with John in the last scene of the movie. And she's, she takes some, some little kid takes the picture that will one day end up in Kyle's hands yes. to be mm-hmm. memorized by Kyle to sort of close that loop of where that, so that we know what she was thinking and then storms coming. Yeah. And he's just saying this dust storm in the mountains, wherever she is down there, south of the border somewhere. And, but she, you know that she's seeing a bigger storm. Yeah. I love the ending to this movie so much because I mean, even like in the midst of the fact that she knows that she knows now that she's heading into this storm you know, like you were saying, that's bigger than just the physical storm that's in front of her. You know, it's like she knows, you know, what's coming. But at the same time, there's hope there because, you know, she's <laughs> she's carrying the savior of the human race. <laughs> 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 um, but so she knows that there's that it's not the end of everything, you know, even though it, it, she's heading into dark times, grim times, things that are going to uh, you know, change her and challenge her and stuff, but there's still hope because and she, she goes forward. Like we were talking before she goes forward because she has the choice to do so, you know, like she, she chooses this, this, you know, warrior lifestyle, you know, that, that Kyle's been telling her the whole movie that she is, she chooses to go forward and become this legend. Um, and, you know, you can say, well, she doesn't really have a choice. You know, it's like, the you know, machines are going to take over everything. Well, yeah, but sure, she definitely still has a choice. I mean, she could have chosen not to believe any of it and just been, you know what? What could I possibly do? I'm just one person. I can't do a thing. I'm just going to go on and live my life. You know, well, yeah. you know, or she could have, you know, decided maybe she didn't really want a baby right then and have to raise him, you know, as a single mom. And she could have had an abortion or she could have given him up for adoption. Or she could have done a multitude of things, but she, you know, just like chooses to remember Kyle's love for her and belief in her and encouragement and support. And now she has his child, which is, you know, like a part of him that she'll always have, you know, and, and it's, it's personal to her. Like, it's not just like, your son's going to be the savior of the human race and you've got to protect him. It's his child that she's going to be protecting her child, you know? So it's not just this legend person. Right. Um, but I love that. Cause that legend I, is going to crap his diapers. <laughs> Big time. Yeah. <laughs> Big time. Yeah. That's, and and I, I, I put that in my chapter too. You know, it's like, I, I, I'm not a parent, but I have so much respect for people who are and don't, I hope that any of you guys listening out there right now who are parents don't ever see yourself as just a parent, you know, like, Oh, I'm not really doing much with my life. I'm just a housewife or I'm a house, you know, husband, or, you know, I'm a single dad or a single mom. And that's all I do is raise my kids. That's not like, that may be what takes up a lot of your time, but that's not all you do. You are, giving an example to your children. You're raising your children in the midst of adversity because there's a lot of adversity in the world happening right now. You know, you're raising them up to love God and, you know, like praying them into their destinies, you know, and and stuff. There's, 
I have so much respect for parents. <laughs> so many, so many kudos to people who are parents, really. Um, but anyway, so yeah, the end of the movie I think is just so beautiful because it like she doesn't say a whole lot. All she says is, you know, like, you know, oh, there's a storm coming. Yeah, I know. And it's almost like there's this like look of resignation on her face, but there's like acceptance as well. And she's like, yep, there's a storm. I'm just going to take a deep breath and I'm going into it. And I like it because it's a bridge between where she was at at the beginning of the movie, just, you know, the, the weak, scared, crying, hot mess and how she winds up in Terminator 2, the cold, unfeeling machine where that's where I like her best is at the end of the first movie where she's heading into this warrior, you know, like destiny that's in front of her. And she still has the ability to feel, she still has compassion, but she's still, you know, Sarah and, and you know, she's, she has hope and, and um, you know, she hasn't completely, you know, lost everything that makes her human. Because we know the storms will come. Yeah, they will. You know, Jesus said, said, you know, when the, when the storms come, you know, he said, what are you going to build your house on? What is mm-hmm. your foundation going to be? Are you going to build it on sand? Or are you going to build it on rock? Cause when the storms come, it's not an if it's a win. The foundation is going to bear the fruit of our, what we've built. And the life that we've built and the reason for the evil for the, you know, we've got evil that chases us. We've got love that pursues us as well. And the purpose is to bring us into who we are called to be, who, who we're yes. created to be. And that's, I, I, I talk about that in my chapter too. Like adversity sucks. It sucks. Okay. But nobody ever becomes a warrior. Like nobody ever gets stronger by having a nice quiet life where you're never threatened or you're never frightened or you're never intimidated or you never experience loss or hurt or grief, hardship, pain, fear, death, everything else, everything that the enemy throws at you to try to take you out and take you down in the end, they only serve to make you stronger and build you up. And it's, it's wild because, you know, that's, that's another thing I love about the Terminator is like the storyline you know, like the whole point, the whole reason that John Connor existed in the first place was because the Terminators, <laughs> you know, sent back a Terminator and then they sent back Kyle, you know, and, and so like the whole reason they exist in the first place is because of all of this crazy time, into the travel, time travel conundrum, paradigm, paradox. Yeah, stuff it, that- I know it's, it's wild. And so, but it, it, it really, it really bends your brain, especially when you, if you ever watch some of the deleted scenes, yeah, I don't know if you know this, the factory at the end where they fight the Terminator, that's Cyberdyne systems yeah, and stuff. And so the only reason that the Terminators existed in the first place was because the Terminator, they defeat him there and they pick up all of his pieces, you know, like they have a T2, they have his arm yeah, and like the neurochip and stuff like that. So if the Terminator had never gone back, Terminators would never have existed. And, and so it's all of this like crazy you know, circle and circlings, yeah. you know, stuff. Breaks my <laughs> but, brain. Um, it does. It does hurt your brain. But, um, but yeah, so it's, it's just like adversity. It does. Adversity sucks. It's hard. Nobody wants to deal with adversity, but 
that is what builds you up. It's what makes you stronger. And in the long run, what allows you to help others as well. Because again, going back to the compassion thing, you could be like, I've been there. I know how that feels. Yeah. And I know it's rough, but you're going to get through this. Yeah. And that's the point. That's what Paul says is now that I've been through my initiation, I can handle anything anywhere. And that's what you mm-hmm. saw in Sarah at the end, this, this yeah. look of determination of, of competence yeah. and confidence that she's like, Oh, I've been through this. And there's a sense too, that she's like, I know what's going to happen because somebody came from the future. So I don't have to like be afraid of this stuff because I know that I'm going to have a baby. I'm going to know I'm going to have John. He's going to go and be this hero in this nuclear war. And so there's that confidence to, to be, to be who she already was that just had to be uncovered through the, the pressure of the Terminator. Yeah. (laughs) Because if Sarah had never had any adversity in her life, she, she would have just probably gone on just being a waitress. And (laughs) I don't think she was a very good waitress. She was going to end up being a stripper. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. She did kind of. She was terrible at waitressing. She, she was messing up people's orders. That was not her gifting. Kids were throwing ice cream in her pocket. Yeah. She wasn't very good at that. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for uh, breaking the glass ceiling of men at yeah. the movies and being the first woman at the movies and uh, <laughs> talking about Terminator. Awesome. Well, this has been super fun, Paul, and I really enjoy it. I always like talking about movies to anybody, <laughs> so, but this was a treat getting on here to talk with you about this, about one of my favorites. And um, yeah, hopefully I get to join you again sometime. Talk about something else fun. I've got so many favorite movies. Yeah, you, you sound like race. Brit. He's got 200 movies on his top 10 list. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. I had to. I had to fill out a questionnaire where they're like, list your five favorite movies. I'm like, five? You mean like five in each category, right? (laughs) (laughs) Where does that fit under the uh, zombie apocalypse Christian non or Christian fiction literature? Yeah. (laughs) It's my friend giving a shout out to my friend, Joshua C. Chad. Check out his books, The Brothers Creed. <laughs> I was not as I, I did not like zombie stuff. Okay. Like I like zombie land movies. Those are funny. Shaun of the Dead, but I never was interested in them. And then I became friends with Josh and I was like, all right, I'll read them once because you're my friend and I love you. And I was hooked. So check him out. You. you never check know what will happen. all right well sarah thank you so much uh this has been paul mcdonald and sarah daniels talking about the terminator we hope you enjoyed it we hope you join us next time here on the men at the movies podcast
side has been awakened. I can no longer be who I was before. But if I am no longer who I was, who am I to be? Thank you.